You, you good, David? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's a yes, yes. Okay. Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we talk about film and TV that has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me, thankfully, beautifully, handsomely, is who are you, sir? <laughs> yes, I am David William Rogerson, the third at your service. PhD, Ma'am. like Elma Fudd. Madam. Yes, <laughs> excellent. David's here. David, we have a wonderful guest who we will get to in yes. just a moment. But before we introduce the man, the myth, the legend who is joining us on the show today, what is the film we are doing? We are doing The Lady Killers, which is the remake from 2004 with Tommy Hanks. This is a Coen Brothers film, um, and they are credited as both uh, the screenplay and directing. Mm. So, yeah, pretty good cast for this one. Excellent. Yes, stellar cast. Well, I think uh, we should introduce our guest, who is the person responsible for both of us watching it this past mm-hmm. week. Nicholas Nicotera, hello. Thanks for joining I, us. I am so sorry that you had to watch it. No. I really am. I, 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 hello. Don't be. I love you both. I'm so sorry. Right. Well. Oh, we'll see. You might be, you might be you surprised might with what I have to say yes. about this film. So, Nicholas, before we get too far, will you please tell our lovely audience who you are? Uh, my name is Nicholas Nicotera. I have uh, ran the gambit in the entertainment industry from rapper to chubby actor to wga writer to behind the scenes director you name it renaissance man i'm not going to bore you with the resume but pretty much do everything mediocre and nothing great it's not boring (laughs) i have in my hot little hands a couple of nick's acting roles in american pie presents beta house he played bobby bobby coolidge okay in Van Wilder freshman year, he played Corporal Benedict. In Rizzolian Isles, uh, he played Marvin Blingman Harris. And my favorite credit in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, episode three. So first season, my man Nick Nicotera played Royal Baby, one mm-hmm. of the adult babies in a Halloween costume that lines up. And when I tried to tell David that you had been in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I was extremely hungover this one time we went for brunch. And I was like, yeah, he was like a naked baby. And it took, we were not, he was like, I don't get it. Like we were not connecting. Like my communication skills were off. Finally, he's like, oh, he was an adult baby. I was like, yes. And (laughs) here. She's like, I probably should allow it that. I'm like, isn't Brooklyn Nine-Nine a, more recent show yes. he was on there as a baby actor I was like, but, but david i have about? range i i could have you know as an adult <laughs> i could have played the baby baby you were so this, good yeah. as that baby <laughs> so my, good. my friends have a joke that uh that it, that was a co-star i was in and out like 45 minutes with like two lines of dialogue but they have a joke that i carried that entire show on my back you did. to win an emmy for a season yes yeah. i would agree with that I believe it <laughs> um, Nick is also was also born in Wisconsin, which is a fact that I believe you and David shared at a party I recently hosted at my home. Um, Wisconsin people forever, although you grew up in California. This is correct, right? Yeah, but I've got the roots, and it was just instant kinship when I found oh, out yeah. that he was from Wisconsin. Wisconsin people. I am surrounded by them. I don't know why. Um, and as Nick mentioned, he was also formerly a rapper. Um, he went by the name Nick Knack. And I do have here um, some a very beautiful <laughs> poem sung by my friend Nick Nicotera. So I will I feel just like he doesn't know this is coming. I oh, will shit. just be reading this very beautifully in my Australian accent. Please bear with me. I'm about me. to get canceled. I got my beanbag. I'm never playing online without my beanbag. I got my beanbag. Signing on my Xbox, I'm about to wreck shot. You ain't got a sack like this beanbag. You ain't got a sack like this beanbag. You ain't got a sack like this beanbag. Bitch, you can suck my grown-ass dick. Got my headset on, sitting on my sack of beans, murking every little kid that's attacking me. 30 years old, diet Jew if I'm thirsty, pack of grape vines, bag of beef jerky. You know what? I don't give a shit. Old as fuck, online trolling little kids. That's just a little taste. Mm -hmm. That's that hot... 
fire spitting yes. in bars right there. Now, so. I Sorry, was, two, well, two things. Yes, go ahead, I'm Nick. about to, I'm, I apologize to interrupt, but uh, I'm about to turn 40, so obviously that was 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, did you transcribe that? I did. I did transcribe oh, that because I could that not find the, the lyrics world to me. anywhere online. I stopped <laughs> at like the minute and a half point. Also, like there were some questions I had about some of the words because I'm not a gamer. I wish I was because I feel like there's so many opportunities in gaming these days and I should probably figure it out. And I love that show, Mythic Quest. Um, but what is murking? I don't know what that is. Murking is a short, uh, shortened word for uh, like mercenary. Okay. So it, Believe it or not, it actually like became popular. It's a video game term, like I'm gonna murk you, but it really became popular in the early 2000s on Fifty Cent's album "Get Rich or Die Trying." Okay. And and then it became like a video game term, so it's like you're gonna get murked. Got it. It's like when you kill somebody in the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When like kill them brutally to the point where they're embarrassed. I don't know how people spell that, but in my transcribing, I went with M U R K I N G. Do we feel like it's M E then because it's mercenary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and and M E R C probably like you know apostrophe E D. Okay, and then also, (laughs) what is a wreck shot? Oh, that was wreck shop. I'm about to wreck shop. Wreck shop. Okay. Well, I I fucked up in my transcription. No, but actually. Your line's kind of better. It's like a wreck shot. Like, I just wrecked Yeah, well, life. I was wondering if it was like a thing. But anyway. What's the line again with the with the beef jerky? What, he eats what, a pack, he, pack of grape vines, bag of beef jerky. He's talking about what he's doing. He's drinking Diet Jew if he's thirsty. Because he's basically the premise of this wonderfully penned song. I like song. that. That's hard. Diet Jew if you're, when he's yeah, thirsty. Yeah, and then grape vines, grape vines and then and yeah. beef jerky. jerky. So he's like kind of yeah. keto-ish if he wasn't eating the grape vines. Great yeah, if like protein. sugar was like a huge part of keto. Like. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> then he'd be all in. But um, the, but it was it was basic, more accompanied with with a video. You yeah, know what I mean? no, because like, I the, heard the gamers like, drink. I could see that. Oh, you painted the picture in my head. But this yeah. beautiful, beautifully penned essay of the grief of you know becoming an adult. I think it really speaks to that melancholy because the whole concept of this of the song is that. You know, he's 32 or 30 and he's alone. He has no partner. He's living in a guest house. So everybody go online right now. Pause this <laughs> podcast and go and find Nick Knack. That's N-I-C space N-A-C. And the song is called Beanbag. And you're welcome because it is a fucking jam. Is that going to be the banger of the summer 2021? Yeah, it's, it's Beanbag so. Summer. It's what That's what's happening. It's that, yeah. that decade-old sleeper that's going to come mm-hmm. back, you know? Oh, remix. <laughs> All the little gonna get, uh, the kids are going to be uh, TikToking to it. Sponsorship. Yeah, gonna he's going to get a beef jerky and grapevine mm-hmm. sponsorship. Yeah, and listen, Mountain if Dew. any Mountain Dew or grapevines or beef jerky people want to sponsor the Age Like Milk podcast, we're also down for that. Like, we do already have a song about it. We can play it. It's a jingle. It's fantastic. So. I think we should do a beef jerky grapevine flavored Mountain Dew for the summer. I like that. I, Let's I blend, like blended like a, like like a, a frappuccino kind of only deal. If it, yeah, only sure. if it's thick. Slurpee. Yeah, 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 yeah. Otherwise, I'm not doing it. No, just the flavor, but I think, that, yeah. I think that'd be a I hit, think the consistency know? of grapevines and Mountain Dew and beef jerky mixed together <laughs> jerky. could also go down. Like, that's a chewable drink, you know what I mean? So, yeah, like something you can eat out of a toothpaste. <laughs> yeah, you're not using something. a straw for that. You're using, remember in the slushies, there would be those straws with like the little pick in the end, like the little The little spoon at the end? Yeah. 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 So, Seven sure. Eleven, do, do not steal our fucking flavor. <laughs> TM. That was the, the spork of straws. Yeah. Yeah. It was ahead of its time. I think we need to, if we, <laughs> it's a sprawl. Yeah. A sprawl. So anyway, that's Nick Knack. Thanks for coming on our show. Nick and I have known each other for years. We used to work at a company together. I've been thrilled to see him go from strength to strength. He's out on his own doing stuff, but like he said, he's run the gamut. And yes, he chose this movie, which David Rogers, we got off on a tangent there, which is kind of mm-hmm. our thing. But um, I believe it is your turn to tell us what this film is about. Yes, uh, I do believe I'll get into the synopsis straight away. I think you should do it in the <laughs> accent, to be honest, or else I'm not, I don't want it. Uh, I'll start geeking out. All right, so all right, so we got this remake, right? The Lady Killers, Tommy Hanks. So he is a Southern professor um, this is in Mississippi, and what he's like a bandit, and he, gets, he compiles this group together, which is probably uh, through a paper or something like, I don't know, like online, how, how would you say it? Uh, fuck, it's keeping me. 
like like a pamphlet. You put an ad out. Yeah, you put an ad out to get it, get your crew together, mm-hmm. right? So he gets his crew together. He calls a bunch of like ragtags in, and what they're gonna do is they're gonna rob this casino boat because in that state you can only gamble on the river. You can't gamble on land, but the safe where they keep the money and store their money and count it is in like a cellar just off the shore. So what they do is they find a woman who is renting out her room and she's uh, like a Baptist uh, widow and they talk her into renting her room, Tom Hanks does, and they fake like they're in a band and they take a bunch of equipment down there. They play music and they're trying to dig a tunnel through her basement into the cellar into where the stash room is right so they get into all these arguments and these funny situations things keep happening that are you know hurdles with them trying to rob this casino and does the lady win does tom hanks win let's talk about it yeah great synopsis david like really just so good (laughs) i loved it um nick may i ask why you chose this film for us to view on the h like milk podcast what was the incentive Uh, the intent my my incentive is because what the fuck right like actually what the fuck the coen brothers had like the sickest run leading up to this like i'll just go through like the mains raising arizona barton fink hudsucker proxy fargo Big Lebowski, Oh Brother Where Out Thou, and then <laughs> Lady Killers, which like when I originally saw it in 2004, I was like, did I did I read this wrong? Is this a Fairly Brothers movie or is this right. a Coen Brothers movie? Because right. it's tonally, I remember it being tonally bankrupt and even at the time in 2004, fil- filled with like racial stereotypes and cliches. Like right. the, the, the cringy like... When they, like, do someone from, like, the hip-hop nation, like, the cringy, like, old white man version. You know what I mean? So when I was, like, spitballing on what movie we should do, I was like, I remember hating this. Right. Let's see if I still do, you know? Which I want to say, I think it's always interesting when... So I I had never seen this movie before. David, had you seen this movie before? Yep, a few times. Okay. I had never seen it. I am a Coen Brothers fan, I would say, but mainly... And I say that because I mainly loved... um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, which is a great film, right? So yeah. I came into this with, like, super low expectations because Nick, <laughs> on our text chain when we were Sorry. organizing this, he was like, this movie, you know, is a whole thing and whatever. And then I actually found myself quite entertained, and I'm excited to discuss it with you guys. But you did touch on something that I think we should dive into right away, which is racial stereotypes. There, This is like if Ocean's Eleven was terrible and took place in the south in an old lady's house um and they've got like a super stereotype so you're calling tom hanks so you're saying it's danny ocean he's danny ocean for sure he's wait you mean you mean like the stereotypes from oceans eight or what was the new one yeah Uh, oceans eight is the newest one which i don't yeah where like rihanna's jamaican like everything was so cliche you know what i mean like so maybe they were taking from the coen brothers but um (laughs) you know you've got your you've got your tom hanks slash george clooney and then you've got you know your weapons specialist and then you've but i think yes the racial stereotypes so full like disclosure to anybody listening who hasn't seen this film they have like an Asian character and an African American character, and they are not fucking around with the stereotypes. May I so please? So, what, what parts stuck out to you guys? Well, Nick, well, what were you, you just said the Asian character who's from China, who's previously a general in China, has a Hitler mustache. Right? Like, okay, like yeah, wow. Yeah. Like, that's dead. Well, like, I, thought wow. he, I thought they were saying he was from Vietnam because he was in the Viet Cong. So- Indo- oh, China. that could be. That could be. I'm sorry. I definitely was half paying attention on the rewatch because I could barely get through it. But um, when you introduce Marlon Wayans, your uh, lead uh, black actor in the ensemble, Dwayne. he he comes in and he's got like a money sign chain yes. and he's a fucking janitor. Like, are you shitting me? And the whole time, but he had to be a janitor. He got that job to be the inside. He was man. the inside. Not man. if you gave him another role. True. But he, you know yeah, what I mean. But they made him. Yeah. I mean, they also like the the dialogue he had. Like he pulls a gun at one point. Like it's very, yeah. Yeah. But so like that's the, what I kind of want to get to. So what specific parts? So for me, uh, the Asian character, right, the general, when he gets that gun pulled on him, 
by those two guys mm-hmm. in in their shop, right? Mm-hmm. And they were in the calling donut him some shop. Like raci- yeah, racial epithets. Fucking. And I thought that was very that definitely aged like milk, yeah. right? And then he puts yeah. his fingers in their nose. Um, with Gwen, I thought um, it was kind of like a stereotypical angry black man, mm-hmm. right? And one of these articles I read, um, Collider, was pretty pretty good, and he was just saying that. Um, the lady killers an equal opportunity offender in that Garth is just as vapid as Gawain, but there's a way to make characters seem shallow without resorting to stereotypes. Right. And that kind of stuck out to me. So you, he did have some funny and good lines, Gawain yeah. or yeah. Gawain and some, like some powerful scenes that I was just geeking out at. But then other times it was just like, okay, they're just ramming at home with mm-hmm. this stereotype. It's just like, let it go. He can still be that kind of, you know, asshole or shallow character without having a result to some of the stuff he was saying, some of the actions, like you said, with that gold chain, with the money chain. and Yeah, you know. like, that was like Malibu's most wanted type. Like, <laughs> almost <laughs> like, pay, almost like satire of, Yeah, I, I mean, he, but, I don't know how far you want to jump ahead in the storyline, but like, we can jump point, all over, he, there's no rules this on cool? the age At like one point, podcast. his character, first of all, Marlon did a fantastic job for some Agreed. cringe-worthy writing, right? Like, like taking writing from from two older white brothers and like making it work. And and Marlon's always been great. I've been a huge fan since I was a kid. Uh, since him and the rest of his, uh, the Wayne's brothers had done like In Living Color or I'm Gonna Get You Sucka. But it's almost like casting was like he just did Don't Be Messed Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Let's have him play a ridiculous like white written role of that right but like his character arc at one point his duty is to be the inside man and he gets fired for looking at booty and commenting on it and like catcalling yeah. i was just like yeah. are you fucking kidding me right now like and then his boss says uh all the other janitors are black your replacement's going to be black and their replacement's yeah. going to be black so you kind of had this you know, power dynamic, and it's like, all right, and this is a pretty predominant black community. You yeah. did have some good African-American representation. Uh, was it George Wallace was the sheriff, mm-hmm. uh, the comedian? He's one of my favorites. He's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. always been incredible. Yep, and then you had, um, what was her, the main Irma, main Irma P. Hall. Yeah. Um, I thought she did a great job. The character was Marva Munson. She did yeah, do Marva a great Munson. job, but speaking yeah. of leaning into stereotypes, like it – and ramming it down the throat. Like, so this takes place in the South and like, there was a lot of those real Baptist church, like plays Jesus. And like, and I felt like it, it, but is that a stereotype? No. And or are they actually like, no. That? And it's totally like representative of communities yeah. and stuff like that. But it did, I think in compare, like, sorry, not in comparison, in tandem with the other stuff that was a little bit ramming down the throats. So it was like, we get it. She's a church lady. Like, you know, she brings yeah. her ladies over her lady friend that she goes to the concert with is very uptight. Like, it was to me and she's all like I just think I, I do agree with Nick on that point that there was like too much of it like they took a joke and then they were like get it get it get it like ramming it in your face like they did though there's there's some parts with the choir when she was at church and if you're just making like a stereotype you're not going to have that much of that scene in there which they did a few times with the choir so I think they were actually kind of showing a little bit of that community mm-hmm. right and representing that decently with with the choir singing and having those few extra scenes in the film that's how i kind of took sure. it i felt it was like a safeguard for like digging so deep into race because like it the, those scenes were almost unnecessary because you already know her backstory mm. just in like verbal like dialogue exposition you know she goes to church you know she loves church yeah music. You know but what I mean? you had to have it though when they're talking about the pastor was talking about what smote mean. He's like, yeah. if, if you get smite, smite, then you you get smote. And then they yeah. cut to, uh, you know, like one of the the villains, kind of yeah. getting in trouble. And so I thought they used they did that pretty well with kind of leading into what was going to happen. Like when Tom Hanks first knocks on the door, and it's kind of like a rumbling, and the cat like throws its back up and it kind of gets a little darker like this ominous feeling you know who's at the door so i thought they they did that pretty well no i i i agree with you that that's that's like a a coen brothers uh almost like auteur director signature right they they lean on uh biblical uh symbolism all in Mm -hmm. almost all their films especially like barton fink with like john goodman being the devil 
but then they uh, they also lean on like um, cinephile like wank material, <laughs> right? <laughs> in a great way, in a great way. And then they love like you'd see in old country, uh, no country for old men. They love like uh, to use southern euphemisms, right? Mm-hmm. And and just in 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 all, like I felt like this film was really on the nose with them, you know, with with the cat to the smoke, like you said, like it was just. It didn't let the audience think, which they usually do. And I'm a, again, I'm a huge fan. Mm. That's why this movie disappointed me so much. But uh, I, I just felt like it was too paint by the numbers for them, almost like they were trying to do a formula of the scripts they had done previously. Mm. And I, it is interesting that they set a lot of their um, material in the South because I was just actually Googling them, and they're from Minnesota. That's where they were born. Yeah. Anyway, is, is that that's not a Southern state, right? Like, excuse my lack of... American no, geography. That's, northern. that's northern. Right. Yeah, it's next to Wisconsin. It's next to you guys. That's what yeah. I thought. But yeah. And they did, they, didn't they do Fargo as well? Yes. Yes, yeah, they did is, Fargo. So Fargo's in More Michigan. More of a cold one, right? but yeah. It, yeah. If you go all the way all the way back to the beginning of their career, um, so like Bruce Campbell was in that cutaway of the commercial director with the dog with the gas mask on. Yes. Yeah. So that like the reason that they threw Bruce Campbell a cameo, which they also did in Hudsucker Proxy, well, it was more than a cameo, he had a role, um, was because like Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell grew up in Michigan together, and they took fifteen grand and they went and shot Evil Dead out at a cabin where they had gotten rained in, and they were using every mechanism to just make it work, kind of like Kevin Smith charging the credit card doing Clerks, right? Mm. And all these Midwest guys uh, had like gone to film school together, knew of each other. The Cohen brothers. So yeah, that's North- what I was. So yeah, it's not Michigan that it, yeah Fargo is Minnesota. Yeah, so, yeah. You're, no, you're what, I was, about what I was saying, they have a tight yeah, they have a tight like Midwest group of guys that went to film school like around the time Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell, which is why you see Bruce Campbell in there. Um, the Coen Brothers actually helped Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell edit The Evil Dead while they were in oh, film school, and and they have a very tight bond. So the Coen Brothers have always popped Bruce Campbell in there. Uh, he was like the actor stud from Michigan from that whole crew. And yeah, they're all mid, all Midwest guys, tight crew, you know, David, like what you and I aspire to be my new best friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm not from America guys, but I hope I can still be in the crew, you know, from <laughs> the Australian, these, these, you're good. You're good. You're good. You're good. You're in the Australian crew. Midwest. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks. I am the crew, bitches. Um, you are the but, crew. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about Tom Hanks, since he's such a huge part of this film. So Roger Ebert said, um, although Hanks would be the right actor to play a low-key deceiver, the Coens have made his character so bizarre that we get distracted just by looking at him. And yep. I'm going to disagree with old Roger I'm gonna disagree with Roger on this one. Yeah. Old Roger. Tell as, me, what do you yeah, think? What do you think as about an his actor? I think Tom Hanks crushed this. On my notes, it says Tom Hanks crushed it. That's all. <laughs> that's all it says. Um, and did you watch this again uh, with subtitles, Paris, or just? I did regular? it this time. That's my okay. new thing. I forgot this, to do. This would be probably the one to do it with subtitles because you're going to want to see his mannerisms and the character work that he did to build this guy, um, Professor G.H., but even with the, in the subtitles, the uh, other time I watched it, it made it so much better too because he just flows with all this crazy and weird dialogue and he does so such a good job. This had to be so hard to get down, put down with everything he did, quoting Edgar Allan Poe. And he was such a weird, bizarre character. And that's what I love. I don't want to see this, the same Tom Hanks in every movie or this, any actor. Like, show me something different. Right. And this, this character definitely sticks out to me. Yeah, no, I wasn't offended by his performance at all. I thought he did a great job. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm curious to hear what Nick said since he was so disparaging <laughs> of the film. <laughs> I, uh, I, 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 think, I think I always loved Tom Hanks. I, I think there was two... Uh, great American actors of that age range that could do comedy and drama to the absolute fullest, uh, Tom Hanks and Rob Williams, right? Mm. But, but. <laughs> There's always a but. Tom Hanks did everything he could, 110% crushed. 
I thought the writing was a little weak, and also, why does he look like a fucking can opener with those teeth? Like, come on. It was <laughs> unnecessary. It just it, it just took me out of it. Especially, I want to believe that they shot that first scene where he was so um, nefarious with the cat and the tree. Like, mm-hmm. maybe first until they figured out the character. I just, I, I don't think there's a continuity in tone anywhere in this film. Like, like, like you go back, there's stuff that is so broad that it's almost slap, it is slapstick. The, the picture of the deceased husband. That's, yeah, I thought that was cha- Changing reactions. <laughs> yeah. But, at, 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 like, that being funny, at sometimes the tone is very grounded and dramatic and heartfelt. It needs to be a dramedy, a comedy, or a drama, or, like, just maybe, like, contained a little bit not so broad to work that's that was one of my main problems it's always one of my main problems with films also i'll be honest with you when i love a director or a director group in this case and i see them do weak work what's just gonna happen because they're doing movies every i critique it really badly like i love that was, Christ- that was gonna be my question is it because this is coen brothers and you hold them in such a high regard yes. that you're comparing this to all their other work and not just this as it's as its own film like, like i said I, I honestly would look at this and be like that was a good fairly brothers movie okay. like like I, I like i love the coen brothers like i love christopher nolan and there's some of his works that i will really shit on it but yeah. like it's because it's i hold them i hold them in such a high regard also yeah. i know how hard it is to make a movie I know when you have a green light and you have a script, it's time to go and you can't really revise and tinker. And And that's what we always say on this podcast. Like we are film fans first and foremost. And like everything we are discussing is like, because we are also huge film fans and not every single one's going to be a winner, but we weren't in the room. We don't know what challenges these guys faced um, when this movie was coming together. But I, I do, I do agree with you on the first scene I thought this, because I didn't know anything. I love when someone suggests a movie that I haven't seen and I don't read anything about it. I go in completely That's blind, awesome. right? I mean, the only Googling I do is like, where can I watch <laughs> yeah. this movie? Because I have spent so much money on Amazon recently. If i just done a little Google, I could just find it, um, which it is on Amazon, FYI, for people listening. But so I thought this movie was going to take a way dark turn. And I agree with you, Nick. I think the first scene with Tom Hanks and uh, Irma, who plays Marva, definitely set me up to think that this guy was going to be a fucking serial yeah. killer. Like, I was, ex- the movie's called Lady mm-hmm. Killers. I was expecting, he goes down in the basement and he's like, oh, it's good for sound. I'm like, he's fully going <laughs> to murder people in this woman's house. Yeah. And then the movie takes a totally weird bank heist yeah. turn. Yeah. So I do think there was a little bit of inconsistency in that first um, performance. But watching it back now that I know what happens... It, it didn't bother me. But on the first watch, I, I was like, huh. But why, just, why does that make it, does that make it, you know, age a little bit or throw you off for the movie? Like you, you guys are saying, a little bit inconsistent just because it had more ominous tone. You thought one thing and there was a misdirection. It could honestly be the choices of the takes that they chose. I was watching something else recently where... Oh, it was uh, the most recent episode of Mythic Quest. And they clearly had given the direction to one of these actresses in this one, be happy. In this one, be sad. And they'd cut them together for whatever reason. And Scott and I like paused it and rewound it and watched it two times. And we were dissecting, like, do you think this was just the best take on the day? You know, like, there has to be... I am not an actor. You guys have had acting careers. But there has to be a consistency and a flow to the... Like, the way the character, you know... Journeys, mm-hmm. and I felt I agreed with Nick. This the opening performance, the opening scene of this, totally threw me off for the whole film. Yeah, and uh, just a continuity of coverage as well. Like, like you said, you paused it, you saw a happy and a, a sad take. Like, you know, shoot that in a two shot if you have time on TV. I know there's limitations, and let the actor do that reversal instead of cutting their performance together with close up, close up, right? Because the audience yeah. clocks that. Even if they're not film savvy, they're like, something's just not working here. Like, for me, the problem was, David, to answer your question, that it was like, for a Coen Brothers movie, this movie was so on the nose that when they're dumping the dirt into the barge that's passing on the first run, they're playing a hip-hop track, which you usually don't even hear in a Coen Brothers movie, and the lyrics are like, 
dropped the body bag in the plastic. Like, it was so on the fucking nose yeah. while they're Nappy dropping a song. trash bag. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like it's just not it. them. Like, they, yeah. they don't... They don't typically do that, I, and and they were holding on reaction shots way too long. I thought the editing was poor in this film. I, I thought that didn't hold up. I mean, I agree on that. Shot, part. Shotty to takes. a point. Do you remember the uh, first person perspective uh, football uh, sequence with the helmet? Yeah, lump? that was random. Or uh, yeah, lump. Lump. When he yeah, missed one the, lump catch, and he kept getting on his butt. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually <laughs> haven't seen him yet, right? It's in his perspective inside the helmet. On the last shot. I had to rewind and pause it because in the reflection of the defender that's going at him, you can see the entire fucking crew in the camera, in the helmet. <laughs> I promise you I didn't Google that. I watched I it on yeah. the viewing, and I was like, that's not Coen Brothers. They're masters. So that, like, they missed that one. Yeah. Or they left it in for that's some so weird meta symbolism or something. I don't know. But like, <laughs> that we'll only find out. Yeah. yeah. I was shocked. There was a lot of blending of... of that and yeah i agree that threw me off a little bit because we don't do that for anyone else's perspective um so but speaking of lump and not to completely change (laughs) the conversation but i did think it was a little age like milk that we were making fun of someone who clearly has brain injuries from playing (laughs) playing (laughs) football um and he's actually got good ideas and he's got a great moral compass and everybody's just dismissing coach? him. <laughs> when he yeah. Co- coach? When he yeah. Him coach. Coach and he's like <laughs> why don't we yeah. just bribe him? <laughs> I think yeah. he crushed that. So my whole thing with this movie yeah. is the character work. I yeah. am a big fan of JK Simmons, Marlon oh, par- partial Marlon Wayans. Um TZ Ma was good. He had a lot of like emotional I mean, he was just like stern. And then Ryan Hurst as, as Lump, I think he did such a good job. And JK, I thought J.K. Simmons did a great yep, job. Yep. Uh, as Garth, what yeah. Uh, but it, yeah. So Nick's Nick's shaking his head. Again. Oh no, 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 sorry. That was like a like. Which one are we talking about? No, I love J.K. Oh, I was just oh, yeah. listing all of uh, the ones that stuck out to me as far as the character work went. But no, Lump Lump was a great character. Yeah. But like they were so mean to him, and he clearly has a brain injury. So what the hell are we doing? And, and just making fun of. And as an actor, like it's a fine line. Like you're gonna play someone like that. Like, like obviously the filmmakers are gonna sign off on what creative choices you make, right? And like him yeah, sitting we, there with the mouth about, open, like it, yeah, it was you never tough. go full, you know, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And he, yeah. David knows. He Tropic Thunder, Tropic Thunder. I got it. That's why I thought it we, was it was on the edge, but like you said, he had a couple good ideas, and then he had that moral confliction of, do I? I don't want to kill her. I think we should yeah. stop. Maybe we should go to church. And then Tom Hanks has this great response, like this emotional, physical response, and he's like, oh wait, what? And then Lump ends up shooting himself that Tom Hanks, uh, Professor G.H., set that whole thing up. Like, I thought these those little parts were amazing. No, the interactions were great. I mean. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still laughing at you never go full. I'm sorry. Uh, this I, I remember that scene from Tropic Thunder. That, we uh, love Tro- Tropic Thunder was one of our earlier films, and we reference it all the time. We love it. Um, <laughs> the movies in my head make my eyes rain. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> but falling in a so bathtub, good. laughing at the bubbles. But Garth, <laughs> but Garth Pancake, J.K. Simmons' character, um, had some great, some great lines in this film, and he did. A, I mean, J.K. Simmons is a masterful actor, and mm-hmm. uh, spoiler alert: he ends up blowing up, blowing off one of his fingers, which was hilarious. Also, an interesting—I didn't know if it was like a Coen Brothers nod, but he's got a girlfriend called Mountain Girl. And he describes her to the guys as his right hand, and then he blows off a part of his right hand. So I was like, ooh, meta. Yeah. So I didn't know if that was like a I thing. also thought it was interesting. He was the demolition guy, like, you know, with the bombs, and he also had IBS. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Taking time bomb. Yeah. Yeah. Right? What but about again, the IBS, <laughs> IBS runner, like, to, the, to like, the full conclusion of the IBS joke, where it's like, is, is that IBS? <laughs> or are you getting – are you – are we allowed to do spoilers like, at the end? Getting yeah, strangled. Spoilers oh, yeah, spoilers are oh, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. We do I mean, it's 2004. Movies, so. Like, if exactly. you're mad about it's it, on... just 
die. It's on them. Just kidding. They, need, they need to go watch it. Or, um, you know, we tell people what movies are coming, you know, like the next day or whatever, mm-hmm. or they can see the episode, go watch it, then listen. Exactly. So Laugh we've, along we've had with some us. people tell us that. But again, yeah. we were also making fun of someone with IBS, you know, lots of shit jokes, lots of, you know, he like freezes <laughs> for a second. He's like, uh, uh, you know, and, and that's just toilet humor there's a place for it which i'm not a big fan of not usually no do not like shit jokes or i think it's like low brow it's just not funny to me it's not smart but i just thought as jk simmons was doing it and like because he's so like well spoken and he i was a freedom writer and blah 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 and then oh oh and then he's like, thanks for understanding. Thanks to Marlon Wayans. Thanks oh, for letting yeah. me in the bathroom. You know, there's actually a stigma because of this and that. The I nice sincere moment when he comes out <laughs> yeah. and like during the heist, he's like, really appreciate that, buddy. That was nice. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't seen really it in so it. long. I had forgotten his ailment and I thought he was going to be narcoleptic. I forgot what movie it was like where someone just fought. Oh. Like, there was a, like, a heist movie that's, where like someone no, falls asleep at an inopportune yeah. time. J.K. It's also it's uh, that's the superhero one, which I forget where the one girl has a shovel and then there's a head and a oh, hole. Oh, uh, Mystery Men. Mystery Men. One of them's an apocalyptic. I believe. Is that it? Yeah. I yeah. Believe, I believe that's the film. It was like Hank Azaria and all them. Yeah, you're right. All, one was narcoleptic and would just be like. They also make fun of I forget the character's name, but there's the security guard who's overweight, and they they give. The one guy quite a lot of lines about how fat he is and if if nickels or if asses were nickels you'd be a millionaire and like yeah, and then he farts yeah. and it's just you know we're just making fun of everybody for things about themselves like brain injuries and i don't and, think that guy had one line maybe he had a couple words but he just giggled the whole time yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was his audition right yeah like just we're gonna tell jolly, you some shit and just jolly laugh big guy just laugh at it. He, yeah I mean, his laughing was adorable. Like it was, yeah, uh, well. it was captivating. You're like, this guy is like really cracking up right now, <laughs> while he's getting absolutely shit on by these characters. <laughs> the only other thing that really stuck out to me as like an age like milk thing was the fact that the Coen brothers decided to remake this movie, um, like less than fifty. Because I believe the original came out in 1955. Uh, yeah, Brit- uh, that's what I have. Yeah, 1965. Uh, 1965? I had 55. Yeah, I saw 55. Which yeah. would mean that this was not quite 50 years old because this came out in 2004. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, what do you think about remaking a film? I guess 50 years is, you know, a g- two generations, to, but... Had any of you heard about the original no. before? So that's yeah, kind of yeah. I, I actually you have. have. I'm sorry. Have I'm, you seen I, my it? favorite? My favorite actor. Yes, I have. And my favorite actor on the planet of the Earth is Peter Sellers. Mm. Uh, like my favorite okay. movie is Doctor Strangelove by Stanley Kubrick, and Peter Sellers was uh, one of the stars of the original. Yeah, uh, I see that very poster different script. You. Oh yeah, is it? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's got a poster. yeah that, my Doctor. It's literally <laughs> my favorite movie of all time. And believe it or not, I love George C. Scott's performance in that movie more than Peter Sellers. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously there was no IBS joke in the original. (laughs) (laughs) How far Um, did they stretch it from the original? You know, I haven't seen it in ages. I I don't actually recall. And I think I've self compartmentalized all of Lady Killers after having to rewatch this one. But, um, (laughs) they, 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 they definitely use their own liberties to change the story and make it contemporary. But I I was like thinking about like the Coen brothers and I was like, remake you know and it being unsuccessful and i was like have they ever attempted a remake of course true grit mm. you know and then you were saying like what, what did you say like uh them attempting this so many years later they're also writing scarface for 2022 uh, which has been remade the i think this is the fourth time wow it's been remade wow. now so, so what, do you, uh, well, what do you guys yeah what do you guys think like is it too soon is it not soon enough um, for Lady Killers or Scarface? For Lady Killers. I didn't even know the first one existed. Right. So not not for me. I'm going to watch the first one, though, probably this week, just to see the difference. I can tell and, you, uh, I, I look. I watched the trailer. I can tell you right now there's not one person of color in it because it's set in 1955 London. So, mm. you know, good job, Coen Brothers, for putting some diversity. <laughs> but, yeah. So they put it in uh, the South. For me, for me, remakes are... 
it's 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 like muddy waters like there, there's certain ones i really enjoy like i i was a huge fan of the original uh charlton heston planet of the apes to the point where like i was gonna like boycott the new ones and my buddy like actually came to my apartment and he's like this movie's getting great reviews we're gonna go see the new planet of the apes and i loved it and i thought Which it was one, really the mark great mark Wahlberg one no that one was terrible no that was fucking <laughs> awful okay and, let's not sadly on people's hard work it was it wasn't for well, you well i i heard tim burton <laughs> left during production but they kept his name on like uh right. that he didn't even stay around to finish that movie because it was so bad but um I'm, I'm talking about the james franco one like uh yeah but they like, do you think they did that different because they had like you felt for those monkeys maybe a little bit differently. The technology was a little bit oh, I better. I loved it. Because I enjoyed I those movies as well. Yep. I loved it. And also, they catered to me as a fan of the originals because throughout that film, there's TVs in the background and there's the ship taking off. That was the news report. Oh. Very subtle Easter egg, but that's Charlton Heston's yeah. ship going off in the background. So, like, like remakes to me are, are fickle. Like, I, I, I don't... I don't think Spider-Man should have been remade so many times during our lifetime. But at the same time, I look back at, like, I love that uh, my fiance and I, uh, Katie, uh, just watched uh, Batteries Not Included. Have you ever seen that, Steven mm. Spielberg? Yeah. I like, have not. The, the technology wasn't exactly there. It's a really heartfelt, incredible sci-fi film about a bunch That's of a elderly people and these little UFOs come down and, like, rebuild their building when, like, people are trying to gentrify their neighborhood. And, like, I think, like, stuff like that could be serviced with modern-day technology. When I when I see stuff that is so recent that really doesn't need to be remade, I get confused because I'm like, why are you even using the name? Because the name recognition isn't selling anything. You're pissing off the people that love the original that, you know, like Total Recall with Colin Farrell uh, yeah. in the 2000s. You didn't, need, you didn't need to do that. You know, get Paul Verhoeven to do a sequel if you want, but, like, Why? Why you're True. alienating? You're alienating the old audience. You're trying to resell it to a new audience. Just I just think write a new I, story. I just think it's interesting because we are so obsessed with Hollywood and IP with IP, and then like you know, speaking of remakes, like C. Ma, who played the general in this film, he was in the new Mulan, which is live action. So I can understand yeah. if you're taking a cartoon, you know, that we loved as kids. Obviously, like we're gonna give that movie our money because we it's nostalgia for us is that considered a remake to you going from animated live to action? live action i guess not i guess it's kind of in its own category but you know like that's name recognition what you were speaking about like capitalizing yeah. on it because me mm -hmm. i love that though like right. i love aladdin you know what i mean right. like go for it we have the technology to do that incredible thing that they did like you know what i mean like now I, in, in live action I'm fine with uh, remakes if there's enough time passed where you're like new audience and they try to do something with it different. There's a new Ghostbusters coming out and it's like perspective of the kids. Yeah. yeah. Ah, Paul Rudd's in it. It looks very interesting. It looks great. Also the son um, of the original director, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. like that's, it it's, looks it's got like some family elements to it. It yeah, looks the awesome. Generation. It looks yeah, awesome. It's... Don't redo the Godfather with Taylor Kitsch. I'll kill you. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, things, like, things like that. I play, there's some movies you should just never touch. To totally too. play devil's advocate with this film, though, like, you know, it's not like they remade it exactly the same in London. It wasn't, you know, all British actors. They did mm -hmm. bring it to the South. They did kind of give it its own spin. So I was just more curious because, yeah, I think we do get a little bit burnt out on um, remakes, you know. Because if you're talking theater, you watch a play mm -hmm. and you know Shakespeare's been done how many times yeah. but if you have some interesting actors and an interesting director of that play and they say we're going to do this a whole different way that's a whole different story and a whole different show yeah so if you can think that way even with just even like, with if we take Shakespeare in film like Romeo and Juliet like Baz Luhrmann's interpretation was completely different and so beautiful you mm -hmm. know and the best soundtrack of the 90s Come on, those Pixie songs and stuff like that was great. It was like that and Cruel Intentions. Sorry, I'm old. No, you're not old. You're you're just playing with your beanbags on the Xbox Live, <laughs> eating grape jellies and shooting murky kids in the face. Grape jellies. I, I have yeah. it here, actually. I know it's grapevines. Um, are they grape flavored? 
Is that right? Yeah, okay. yeah, it's yeah. exact, identical. We just got back from a trip, and our friends had gotten me like my favorite snacks, and they got me a thing of grapevines. It's red vines that are purple, and they ah, taste like grape. It's enough. grape licorice, <laughs> and it's incredible. Delicious. Yeah, that's how, yeah. yeah, and you sang us a whole song about it, and it's on the internet forever. And currently, <laughs> it has about eighteen thousand views on YouTube. But after this podcast, let's let's see eighteen million. Yeah, exactly. Wait, no. I didn't make that private. No, and you just should kidding. not. Do not do not deprive the world of your beautiful song lyrics. We'll put it in the uh, you know on Twitter. Oh, I'm for sure gonna be. I'm gonna. Oh, no. I'm gonna be for sure cutting parts of it into this um, podcast for sure. But. Yeah. Did you guys, so what else, was there anything else that stood out to you guys as aging like milk? I feel like I covered the things that I was like, what the fuck, David? Yeah, um, I thought some of the the shots that they used, some of the setup shots were kind of cool. Um, that picture when he does go down into the cellar and they have a shot from the staircase and the lighting's really cool and he's kind of like angling up. So I thought they did some interesting work with a few of the shots that stuck out to me. So um, I like that. And this soundtrack, now that you guys are talking about it, there's some, some good music uh, like in the background throughout. Some of the Nappy Roots songs were meh. Uh, they referenced um, the Tribe Called Quest song, mm-hmm. Left My Wallet in El Segundo, but you never the heard it. The hippity-hoppity music that she's yeah, so yeah. offended about. <laughs> she was just going for it in the beginning. Yeah, of that. yeah exactly. Yeah, she's she not happy. Off. She's not happy. He yeah. bought a, a boombox from Costco, and he brought it back here. Uh, hippity-hoppity. <laughs> that was when I, like, I hadn't seen it in so long. I'm like, wait, is this a period piece? No, she's just said Costco. Like, I was like, okay, cool, okay. Yeah, but if you think about it, in some ways, you know, we're 2021 now, it was kind of a, it is kind of a period piece because nobody yeah. has cell phones, right? Yeah. Because 2004, mm-hmm. cell phones weren't really as Ugh. prevalent. And this caper would have been a lot easier with, with cell phones. Yeah, you wouldn't have had to sync yeah. your watch. You could just sync up your yeah. phone. Yeah, writing was so much easier back then, right? Like, because yeah, exactly. you could do a horror movie <laughs> and you could write it and nobody can just be like, all right, I looked on Google Maps. We just get the fuck out <laughs> yeah. of here. Yeah. Uh, I just called Cindy. Told her yeah. the killer's in her room. Yeah, yeah so. that's rule number one Don't go on home. rule number one on contemporary horror movies. Like in no the first act, phones. you have to have them lose their cell phones somehow. Yeah, yeah. Or service. Or service. You just gotta get yeah, yeah. The service. Yeah. Exactly. Do a TikTok, ghost. Do a TikTok with me. Oh my god, you guys! There's this clown under my bed, and he won't do a TikTok with now me. Now that would be funny, like yeah. in scary, in scary movie yeah. or scary movie yeah. too. Yeah, could you imagine like poltergeist? They're just like, no, I'm not even scared. I'm just filming. I want people to see this shit on the yeah. TV. Like, yeah. I'm gonna get so many likes. Yeah, I'm gonna get. Hey guys, welcome to my channel. So anyway, I'm gonna show you how to get rid of a ghost that's under your bed. Yeah. The first thing you're gonna want to do is get your concealer, and you're gonna want to put it under your. Yeah. So you also blush and then grab a Bible for an exorcism. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) No, and we, you know, speak going back to the shots. You know, I we were talking about how it didn't make sense to have lump's perspective from inside his helmet, but I did think that was cool. I did think. Well, I thought it was great. It just didn't fit with the film. yeah. No, so no, you I, saw the whole cast or the, it, the crew behind him. I don't know how many years it was before. Like, I think the first, like, true, like, like let's cater to the video game nerds. Uh, first person perspective shot might have been uh, Dwayne Johnson's cinematic achievement of Doom. There was like one like first person. By the way, that was a joke. Yeah, we get it. Yeah, we just didn't laugh because we were thinking. Uh, no, it's good. It's good. It's good. The best, the best jokes are the ones that you have to explain. So yeah, uh, absolutely. Spell it that, out for me, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Doom, I think, was the first time I saw like a video game thing. But like, I thought the the perspective was cool. I just couldn't believe like with how meticulous these directors are that we would see the entire crew and film crew in the reflection of the helmet. Yeah. So yeah. besides that, which is hilarious, and I want to go check it out. I'm gonna go look for that now. Um, and I love that you have that mindset because I, I I tend to catch a lot of little things. I'm like, oh, you see that? So uh-huh. I can tell you how you watch movies, um, which is awesome. But so like, okay, I calm down, you Wisconsin romantic romance guy. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just. I'm the also roots. still here too. Yeah, Wait, he said he didn't roots. like fart jokes. I don't know if we're ever gonna get along. <laughs> he said he didn't like shit jokes. <laughs> That's before the shit. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See? I got, I got ideas. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah. So, you said if this was another director, you may enjoy this, or would you would you still not enjoy it and think it's, like, a decent movie? Be critical If this wasn't it. Cohen. Yeah, the Cohen brothers. 
I mean, honestly, like I, I, I keep it wasn't a joke. Like I, I think I feel like when I watch this, it's a Fairly Brothers movie. You know what yeah. I mean? And um, yeah, it, it'd be good. I, I think I'm extra. I'll be honest. I, I think I'm extra crucial because it is the Coen Brothers, and I absolutely love them. And I was just kind of shocked. I, I would imagine maybe they grew up loving this movie together, and in between movies, they just like got a green light and rushed into production because. There were just some things that stood Tom out to me. Tom side on. They were like, let's do it. Yeah. I'm a big I'm a big tone guy. I'm a big, like, uh, yeah. character motivation guy, which I felt they did a good job with the character motivation, but, like, mainly tone. Like, keep it consistent. If you want to go broad, mm-hmm. go broad. If it's grounded, grounded. If it's somewhere in the middle, there's a very fine line. And if you cross it, you can't do a portrait of the deceased dad <laughs> doing reactions above the fucking fireplace. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like they were, uh, they were like, okay, this is uh, the act uh, two point one. We're gonna transition it with the uh, the dad making a disappointed look uh, about yeah. the fireplace, you know. Yeah. Um. So I'm I'm very crucial on that stuff. Uh. But yeah. The VFX in this, not not to shit on the VFX, but the VFX was also pretty bad. Like the barge looked really fake. I noticed it straight away. I don't know if you guys noticed it. But. Yeah, it, it was just very different, right? It had like a like a cloudy, almost dreamlike look to it. Totally. And then you go back to like this... Wes Anderson-ish, I thought, like that first yeah. couple shots. That yeah. was the building. I was going to say that. It's almost like yeah. Wes Anderson's popular right now. Let's do zero symmetry, like building, and then we'll bookend the whole movie with these Wes Anderson shots. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. But overall, I'm super glad that you brought this movie to my attention. I definitely feel like i need to see more coen brothers movies contrary to popular belief people always come to this podcast like have you seen this movie and i'm always like no because i do watch a lot of television yeah i do con- uh, consume movies constantly but i have like a strange background so i just don't want anyone to hate on me be like paris is hosting this movie podcast she's got a film podcast she's, and yeah. she's never seen any movies no I have seen movies I've seen a lot of movies I've also seen a lot of Love Island probably too many hours um, which has also eroded parts of my brain and I'm really which excited. one the original or the remake oh. what's Love Island <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding don't even what's both <laughs> Love Island is a great trashy UK show it's mm-hmm. very heteronormative they put all these people in a house um, the British one's amazing because the accents are hilarious and they say things like are you having a laugh and he pied me off and the idea is they have to be paired up at all times it's just a fuck fest and there's cameras <laughs> inside imagine if they made everyone on Big Brother have sex all the time um, and they kept bringing in hotter and hotter people that's Love Island I love it oh so don't like real me. world I'm, I'm, I think I'm too young for real world I'm, I don't know that but, uh, oh he's so offended I am I'm not offended I just feel old and depressed. I mean, it's your, <laughs> birthday. Kidding, kidding. it's your birthday coming up. We're going to celebrate you, but kill and- me. Just one quick thing, um, like we were saying with like Nick. So with this film, it was a little off from the Coen brothers, and it just I just wanted to point out that in this first time me thinking about it, like I wonder if life got in the way in some point. You know, yeah. like you said, did they rush this? Yeah, so yeah, success. I, like, you know what I mean? So, like, if something happens, something pops up, this happens, they got rushed, timeline, this, that. And I'm wondering how, as, like, a company, and you got to – you get greenlit, you got to put this out. It's got to be scheduled so we can make yeah. money back. So I'm wondering if it's like, hey, we got to rush this thing out instead of taking a little more time, finesse it a little more. So it is kind of interesting. You could have this great – premise for a movie great script great cast and then you could just not hit the mark totally because of external factors that that you know one yeah, we don't we don't know what's going control. on in 2002 that, yeah that sadly is like one of the parts for the most crucial about when i'm i'm judging a film like this is because like when you when you get the uh, academy like chomping at the bit to give you awards for a movie like before this was oh brother we're out though like all the, uh, the the masterful film directors that I love had that opportunity, and then they use that as power to make a good film after. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like um, you know, uh, Coppola was gonna get fired from The Godfather, but kept pulling out his Oscar because he wrote Patton, which he had get, got fired for writing Patton. But like that was his like, hey, don't fucking shut me down moment. You know what yeah. I mean? Or like, look at like what Denis Villeneuve has done in contemporary cinema. Uh, like he didn't just go between prisoners and drop a fucking dud, you know, to to get a movie out. So I feel like that might be 
just just a little bit of, of like hubris and and uh, narcissism, which I don't want to wish the Coen Brothers had because I love them, but like why? Well, also mm-hmm. counterpoint to that, I was telling a coworker what film we were doing, and he said, you know, what I like about them is that they take risks and they're always trying new things, which yeah. could be conceived as very backhanded, <laughs> depending on <laughs> this guy is very genuine. So I thought, like, no, he's making a good point, you know, like. But like you said, something could have happened. I, I would be so curious totally. to talk talk to these guys and find out like if they're a fan of it or if they like, you know. But also, I wanted to say that Joel Cohen is married to Frances McDormand, who is like really? the best. Um, yeah, and has no, been no, since no, 1984. Yeah. So I never knew that, and I she's mean, unbelievable. We like, love um, so, masterful. Yeah. Wow, um, I never knew that. And this is another weird thing to know, but the internet. Thank you. Um, they have an adopted son from Paraguay, uh, so that's interesting. So they have, and they adopted him in 1995. I was looking to see, like, did that happen around the time of this movie? No, it didn't. 1995. You said 84. Um, they got married. They got married in 84. They adopted their son in 1995. Because wow. she did Fargo with them. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. I work never with, knew that. Work with your wife. What could possibly go wrong <laughs> when you work with <laughs> I, your wife? It, it worked for Fargo. For it did. Sure. That movie's amazing. So. She, what we usually do towards the end of the para- towards the end of the uh, episode is we shout out someone from the cast or crew. Nick Nack, because you're our guest, we are giving you the first chance to shout someone out. I had a extremely moral dilemma, like nominating this movie for your podcast because it has my favorite cinematographer of all time in it, Roger Deakins. We love Roger Deakins. And I He's have got to a great say, podcast, by the way. So everybody and I have to and I have to say, even though, like the oh, sorry to interrupt. What, no, no, no. I was just saying he also Roger Deakins has a, a wonderful podcast um, where he talks to industry professionals. Uh, he has a very lilting tone; it's very soothing. Um, and I also love him as a cinematographer, so that's awesome. So, uh, are, is that who you choose? Uh, yeah, and, and I just think the world of him. And as much as I thought, like this movie was totally bankrupt I, I still like really appreciate the way it looks I mean the shots going down the hall with like the the linen veneers and the designs like projected up on the actors like he, he's just an absolute master with the cinematography and uh, it looks fantastic true that yeah Roger we see you and we appreciate we you see you and we appreciate you David who you got I am going with Randy Woodside, and he has worked on a ton of stuff, but he was um, the lighting person on this film. So I was saying some of those shots that stuck out to me, he's the chief lighting technician on this movie. He was the chief lighting technician on Argo. He's worked on a ton of movies. He was a chief lighting technician on Tropic Thunder. Ooh, we know that yeah. movie. Yeah. Never go Samurai. full. Never, Never go, go full. full. Um, bunch of stuff. A Tower of Cruelty. What do Vanilla you mean, Sky. you people? What do you mean, you people? And he was an electrician on Scarface to come full circle. So... Yeah, um, wow. Randy Woodside, we see you and he appreciates you. See you and we uh, making you. all those actors look great. Well done, sir. Can't, can't have a dark movie. Good job, Randy. Well, I had Janine L. Ains, who was the animal trainer on this film, and we didn't really talk about it, but Pickles, the cat, is very cute in this and kind of becomes part of the crew. And she has worked on things like Casino Royale, Men in Black, No Country for Old Men, um, lots of different things. Uh, yeah, I guess she works with kind of the same people all the time. And Janine, we see you and we appreciate you. See you and we appreciate you. you. I'm surprised you didn't bring up what they did to that dog. Yes, Harris. the dog. There is you a scene. You don't do that in movies. It's a, it's a little age like milk, but it was so yeah. brief. And they. Treated I wonder him. if he survived, though, because J.K. gave him mouth to mouth. Yeah, Goth Pancake, so. the character, accidentally... <laughs> smothers a dog and speaking of dogs we still have our foster dog here and I can't not do the podcast without saying that everybody should foster a dog the shelters are overrun right now please consider reaching out to your local rescues to see how you can help um, definitely Nicholas got a dog in the pandemic um, a foster yeah. fail from your referral I know and so it's the worst best thing ever everybody should do it <laughs> um, but yeah Nick where can people find you, connect with you, hire you, see your music, get you to write 
love songs for them? How can people? Uh, you, you can uh, Venmo me at, at <laughs> Nicotera. <laughs> it, it's pretty much at Nick Nicotera, N I C K N I C O T E R A on almost all social media. And uh, I need to get better about updating. I've been kind of uh, social media reclusive in the last it's year. Okay. Some of the biggest stars in the world don't have a presence, but if people heard you on this podcast and they like want to reach out and like request, you know, a cameo performance of um, Beanbag, maybe for their yeah. grandma for her birthday. Yeah, if can. you're looking to yeah, if you're looking to cancel me, it's uh, Nick Nicotera <laughs> at <laughs> Gmail and uh, thank you. Let's not cancel Nick. He's no. I'm joking. Nick's a good guy. Um, <laughs> but this is the part of the podcast where we have to decide whether or not this movie aged like milk. Nicholas, you are the guest. Nick Knack. Um, do you want to wrap your assessment? Like, whatever you want to do. However you want to do it. I wish I had the energy for that. I would need, like, <laughs> four more Red Bulls. And I would do it for you. And maybe if we revisit this, I will. But I, it Next would just time. be fucking terrible right Next now. Next time. Um, I'm going to say age like milk. Full on. No inhibitions. Good. Very strong, coming out the gate. Straight and to the point. David, what do you, what yes. do you reckon? Um, I'm going to say age slightly, and it's because of the some of the stereotypes with you know, our, our Asian fam and our African-American fam being represented just a little bit stereotypical. Didn't appreciate it. It actually took me out of this film mm. sometimes because I was like, oh, fucked up, fucked up flag, fucked up flag. Um, but besides that, as an actor and somebody just loves these weird ass characters i really dig the acting in this movie so if it wasn't for the the stereotypes this movie wouldn't have aged like milk at all to me totally i I am 100 percent with you i feel like this is a milk that has like a scummy top and you need to like scrape it off and then you Mm -hmm. can still drink the milk it might be a little sour in parts but (laughs) the stereotype really also took me out of it i was a bit like cringed a little bit i i love the wayans i think you know that's such a talented family and i think they did them a little dirty at times and also with zima who is an incredible Mm -hmm. actor and you know we need to be conscious of the represent certainly there's a place for poking fun at people for whatever reason whether it be you know injury you know as they did in this film that <laughs> lump I, I you got a lump i'm not saying like we should completely take all of that out of film but i do think representation is important and we need to be conscious of how we're presenting characters who come from certain backgrounds racially yeah. we've talked about this before yeah. you can do this movie without those couple parts yeah pulling it and back it's gonna be, and yeah. it's going to be a good film well you don't even need some of those uh epithets that they were screaming at him in the donut shop right. when they were robbing him. Right. You just don't need it. You could call him an asshole. You could call him right. 50,000 other things. Something. Anything. Yeah. 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 I, I was unaware that we were describing it with like the consistency of milk. So like, may I redo Please. my Please. Yes. So like, I'm mine would be choked. like aged milk that was kept not in a refrigerator, but more like on a balcony during a 110 <laughs> degree summer oh. season. <laughs> Then you would open that can and pour it inside of a pressure cooker, but mix it with a bowl of like rancid, like stag chili. Oh, then throw okay. in some spam and uh, mix that up, put it in the pressure cooker, and then move that to a pot where you're cooking like vodka penne with like mm-hmm. peas and chicken, mm-hmm. but throw like some curry in there and mix it up a little bit. And then. Uh, Pour that all over yourself in a bathtub while you read a Maxim magazine from 1995. There, there, that's me. And then drink some of that milk with a grapevine straw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Bite both yeah. ends off while you're laying in the bathtub, <laughs> and then drink it. But then put the straw up above your head and then spew it out so it fountains back onto your oh, forehead. Boy. So you actually like this movie is what yeah. you're telling me. Loved yeah, it was very, very entertaining. Very entertaining. This is actually your favorite yeah. Coen yeah. Brothers yeah. film. Yeah, it was like the first time I read The Matterhorn at, at Disneyland <laughs> when I was a kid, actually. Okay, that's good. Well, thank you for that very yeah. visual description of the milk of this film. Yeah. Paris, you know me. It's just like oddly specific humor makes it so much more disturbing oddly specific and like not totally sure that you are that people aren't gonna try this recipe and then (laughs) email us and be like fuck you and we'll be like so 
disclaimer, we do not recommend doing yeah. that. Do not yeah. do this that. This is not cooking advice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but if you do make it, let us, let know. us know. Definitely let us know. And of course, follow us uh, on socials at Age Like Milk Pod, Age Like Milk Podcast. Email us, agelikemilkpodcast at gmail.com. Nick, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for recommending this movie as much as you loved it. Um, <laughs> it's a pleasure. Guys, honestly, I love you both. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. And uh, nothing I love more than shitting on something that's so hard to accomplish. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, this is great. Well, stay tuned for the Beanbag song, which I will definitely be playing in its entirety at the end of this episode. Copyright, copyright non-withstanding. And David, you should check your fridge. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled like Nick says. <laughs> Gross milk is gross. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. Stay hey. tuned. Woo! Peace. We out here. I got my bean bag. I'm never playing online without my bean bag. I, I, I got my bean bag. Signing on my Xbox, man. I'm about to wreck shop. You ain't got a sack like this. You ain't got a sack like this. You ain't got a sack like this. My grown ass dick. Got my headset on, sitting on my sack of beans, marking every little ass kid that's attacking me. 30 years old, diet do if I'm thirsty. Pack of grapevines, bag of beef jerky. You know what? I don't give a shit. Old as fuck online, trolling little kids. <laughs> my god.